welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone. It's Deb Crow. It's March the 14th, 2018. And I am smiling at this microphone ear to ear because we are now in daylight savings. And I love that I'm broadcasting the show from my beautiful home office. And it's 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's still daylight. So it just gives me hints that spring is on its way, even though my, my front lawn is covered in snow. So on that note, I want to tell you about our March sponsor. It's the Foundation for Small Voices. And I I gave you a little glimpse into their nonprofit organization last week, but I want to let you know that a week ago, the co-founders, who are now Jim and Sophia Papoulis, they launched an amazing international initiative last week, and it is called Music Changes the World. And you'll hear hints through the video, which I'm going to share with you at the end, just so you can hear the, the three, three minute and 24 second, beautifully directed by Jim, called Music's Changed the World. And they talk about music, they talk about hope, they talk about how kindness and all these elements that can change our world. And they're a global community that are committed to bring music to youth everywhere, So choirs all over the world are pledging $100 to help change the world. And they believe that together they can make a change and let our voices be heard. There are choirs in this video from Canada, the U.S., Europe, the Dominican Republic, Greece, and many, many more countries. So I encourage you to click on that video, take a pause, and enjoy three minutes and 24 seconds of just enjoying and embracing children singing. My guest tonight on the Changebook Radio show is Tina Sanchu, and I'm so excited because Tina is from Book Two, and I have wanted to connect with her for quite some time. And she just told me before we went live that I'm her first radio interview. So how lucky am I? So, Tina, I want to tell the folks a little bit about you, and then I'll bring you on the line. Tina is an international certified lifestyle and success coach who delights in empowering her clients to live extraordinary life and fulfill their dreams with both intention and joy. She has a natural way of bringing out people's greatness with enthusiasm, authenticity, humor, and an incredible heart. She is a breath of fresh air to the coaching world, and she is has a wonderful testimonial from Deepak Chopra, which we're going to talk about. So, Tina, welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. You are my first. I will never forget you. Wow. How lucky lucky am I? I am luckier. I thank you for this opportunity and um, saying hello to all of your listeners also. 
Well, I'm shocked at the presence of the greatness you bring to the coaching world. And I know that you are traveling extensively. So thank you for fitting me in because I just found out that we are on the same time zone and you're only 500 miles away from me in New York City. So that just makes me even happier. But more importantly, I want to get right into a great interview with you because we only have a half an hour and I have so many questions for you. So my first question is, it's, first of all, it's an honor and a privilege to be a co-author with you in this global series. And we are still the number one personal development book series in the world. So book two, you're a few years back, almost at the beginning. So when you yes. first spoke to, to Jim and Jim, what enticed you to write a chapter and become part of this global community, which now has 15 books? Well, you know, when when they called me, um, I I act on instinct. If I feel something, I jump to it and I just say yes without really, you know, going through the nuts and bolts. So when he, he they asked me, I immediately something inside of me just said yes, go for it, and I said yes, not realizing that I've never written before, <laughs> and um, I would have to write a chapter. So that's how it all came about. <laughs> Well, and, and I love what you said, act on in instinct. And, and the cliche that always comes to my mind is go with your gut. And I know, and I'm sure you can agree with me because I also am a fellow coach. A lot of our clients don't choose to listen to that. So I'm going to ask you a coaching question. When you sure. are developing rapport and starting your coaching with your clients, because I know, I know you do it on an international basis, as do I. Why do you think people choose not to act on instinct and listen to that voice? For me, I mean, there's so many reasons. I think it's, it's fear uh, in, in some form of the, or the other. A story that they've been telling themselves or, you know, whatever their story was growing up or what they picked up from society and what they've believed. I think it's always stories that hold us back from acting following our dreams, doing whatever it is that we know we're meant to do in the world. Exactly. And, and it's funny how much that component of fear and negative self-talk and limiting beliefs holds mm -hmm. people back. It's, it, it, it's like an emotional debt or prisoner. Mm -hmm. You know, I did Byron Katie. I don't know if you're familiar with her work. I did her nine-day school a couple of months ago, and that, it was all about releasing the stories that don't service and really creating everything that we do and we think about, I think it's, it's all a story. So why not create one that really serves you and empowers you and just helps you to move forward in the world in a really great way. So that's what I think. It's, it's a negative story, a negative belief, something that picked up from the past or brought up with um, ancestors. There's so many things, but it's just, I think, always a story. I agree with you. And I, I think when people can really hone into those feelings and thoughts and emotions and own that story, that's where all the goodness is. And then if they're able mm -hmm. to step into that and share it and teach it with others, to me, that is complete authenticity and transparency at its best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about your chapter, The Power of Surrender. And interesting, I, I was pleased to hear that you chose to go 
back and reread your chapter today. You're the first co-author to share that with me. And and that you haven't read it since you submitted it. So do you mind just sharing kind of some thoughts around that? You wrote this beautiful chapter in book two called The Power of Surrender, submitted it to Jim and Jim, and then never chose to go back and read it. Where did that come from? Uh, yes, the story of that story. I wrote, so when I decided I was going to write this chapter, um, I was going to write about surrender, but I wasn't going to write about the things that I wrote about, uh, the death of my mother and the breakup of a relationship. So at that time, those things were really still, uh, were still affecting me and lingering. And when I got the, uh, an email, I think it was January 19, 2015 from Jim, and he said the book is out. And I remember I just got back from a trip from Brazil the night before. I buried my head in the pillow and I started crying. And I was like, no, 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 now everybody's going to know. And it was, I always was the person that had it together. And I really opened up really, really in vulnerable ways about my pain from both those experiences. And it was just like my family, they're going to know this guy broke my heart and all of these things. It was really me caring so much. It was about what people think. What are people going to think? I think that was the main thing because I really went deep and opened about my family, what happened, and the breakup. So that was one of the things. And also, it, was, it took a lot out of me to write that chapter. I never thought I would write about the things I wrote. And um, I just needed to, I guess, put it aside. And when I knew today would be today, I said, well, I should go back and read it refresh myself about what I wrote. And then I, um, I saw some things that, you know, grammar and all of those things that I saw I could have done differently. But when I finished reading it, I said, you know, Tina Sanchu, not so bad after all. I thought it was a terrible chapter. And anyone that I hid it from people and a few people that read it contacted me and said they loved it. But the moment they told me about it. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, they read it. And actually, after going back to it today, I'm not going to hide it anymore. I'm actually going to share it with a lot of people. So that's a little of why. Well, I'm going to give a big radio yay, because this is why (laughs) I do this is why I do this show. This is exactly why, because I love that you wrote this in 2015. You went back today, almost probably three years later, and how far have you grown and come and realized that you've got this beautiful toolkit that needs to go back into your toolkit and share with all your international network? Mm, Yeah, you know, I have grown so much since then. And um, that was my greatest pain, my greatest pain of my life for all the years I've been around and I'm 40 now and I don't think anything can ever take me down after that experience that I had with both of those things happening at once. And just um, I, looking back at that chapter, reading it today, the strength that I had and the courage and I did anything and everything I possibly could to heal my heart and to feel better. 
And at that time, in that much pain, I mean, I was traveling to, I had just gotten back from Brazil. I told you when I got the email that the book was out. I went to see a healer in Brazil. I, I went to Sydney. I traveled everywhere I could. Anything I heard that could help me become better and feel better, I was relentless in my pursuit to heal my heart and to grow out of this and to create something amazing out of it. And I just, looking back at it, seeing how far I've come, I, I was just actually very proud of myself this morning to look back at my journey even more so. Well, I'm extremely proud of you, and I will share share in that comment with you. I, I was you. I, I was that person who was traveling mm. and, and doing all the same thing, and I'm going to be 52 this year. So how interesting is it that when we can heal our heart by healing ourselves and being true to ourselves, and you've got two lovely chapters or paragraphs that you started your chapter off, and I really just want to share this with the listener. So if I may, I'd like to just read a couple of things from your, from your chapter. Of course. Origin- originally, my intention was to write this chapter on embracing change And in the spirit of doing so, I had a change of heart. I decided to let it all go and give in to a very familiar feeling, a feeling of calmness, stillness, and love. It's something I've been working on very diligently for the past two and a half years. Surrender. Deepak Chopra, one of my personal mentors, once said, Surrender is faith, faith, that power of love can accomplish anything even when you cannot foresee the outcome. Those words always touch my heart and soothe me, releasing me from my concerns and bringing a feeling of peace. To me, surrender is the willingness to say yes to every moment, to be present, to trust the moment, the now, and not to argue with reality. Because when I deny reality, I suffer sometimes very deeply. I just love the way you launched into this chapter wholeheartedly. And your heart is on your sleeve right there, coupled with all the emotion that came into this. And then you said that surrender brings you many gifts, including the big F word. It's that, it, you know, it's that moment on the seat. Where is the F word going? But it's for freedom. <laughs> and I love that. And how emotional it was to write this chapter. Oh, my. Uh, and how it, many, it, and it how was... many, and how many Tinas have you met since 2015? Oh my, every woman that came to me for coaching was a Tina. <laughs> it's so funny how we attract what we are and what we're experiencing. Some of this story, I also wrote a little bit of it slightly differently on my website to share a little about myself. And almost everyone that contacted me said, I want you to do what you did with yourself with me. From that story. So as a fellow coach, is that not the most biggest compliment we could ever receive? Mm-hmm. And I did not want to write about this. This was last resort. I felt like I did not have a choice. I had many other things written before. And I knew this is what I needed to write about. I just didn't. It was what are people going to think? And and I can't write this and this I must keep to myself and so many things that came about. And, And I see also that in the world, being a coach, that's what holds almost everyone back. It's what are people going to think? 
And with my mom dying, I always used to hear my mother say, what are people going to think? And she got that from her parents. And then I'm sure her parents got it from theirs. And so I was brought up hearing those words. And my mother was an amazing mother. It's just that thing was driving my life. And when she passed away, one of my my, uh, goals was to find a way to release that and let it go. And thankfully, I can say most of it has left me. It still shows up, but I'm very aware of it now. And that's the reason why I didn't want to write this chapter. Well, I'm so happy, as many others are, that you did. And now you're going to bring it back in your toolkit to serve (laughs) so many others decided that that is what I was going to do today after reading it. I'm going to share it with everyone. And it's during your first interview on the Changebook Review Show. <laughs> I know. I, I have Look to, at how I have back to throw around. in the humor. I, I have to throw in the humor because you and I have that in common. I, I have to have humor in all that I do. But in all seriousness, yes. Deepak is one of your personal mentors. And I wanted to share with you that There is another fellow co-author in New York City by the name of Mike Greenlee, and Mm -hmm. I believe it was last year, if my memory serves me, and someone on Deepak's team contacted Mike to write a poem that Deepak was going to deliver, and Mike wrote it, and then he got to meet him, and Deepak asked Mike to read the poem, and he really, really liked it. And then um, it just changed Mike on so many levels. So I'm going to make that introduction because you and Mike share that because he's a mentor to many, but he's also given you a beautiful testimonial for your coaching. So share with our listeners how, how that mentorship came to be and, and how he got to know of your work and then give you that beautiful testimonial. Okay, so I I met Deepak, I think it was in my late 20s. Uh, We have mutual friends, and um, I met him, I remember it was summer in July, and we immediately clicked. I I resonated with everything he was saying, and I was on that path. And a lot of things, when we sat down at lunch and we were having a conversation, he was talking about quantum physics, and uh, a few other people at the table were so lost, but I got it. And he saw that I got it. And he said, you get it. I said, yeah, I do get it. I just can't explain it. <laughs> so we connected from then. And I attended a lot of his, um, a lot of his retreats that he had. I did a lot of his silence retreats that were life-changing for me. And from since I met him until now, he's been a, a fantastic mentor to me. And um, my life has changed in tremendous ways because of him, especially when it came to surrendering. Um, I remember when I met him, the second conversation we had was about detachment. And he was sharing with me that when you surrender, when you detach, everything comes to you magically. And it's just like the quote that I had in my chapter to hold, you must first open your hands and let go. And that conversation I remember from day one has really helped carry me through everything that I was going through, especially in the hard times. So I went to a lot of his seminars. Um, He's seen my work. He's referred people to me. He's seen the results. And um, he's seen the way that I've grown throughout the years. So I think there's just a really big trust in uh, who I am and what I do. So that 
came the uh, brought the testimonial into into the picture. And and so now my my million dollar question is: Are you going to send them a copy of the change book in your chapter? <laughs> you know, he knows about it. Um, I don't think I've shared it with him, and I will now. Everyone's I've got, I've got you it. live yes. now. You know, and it's gonna be, it's, we are recording, so I've got you on. I've got you on record now. I actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, that quote I used his quote in the beginning: "Surrender is faith that the power of love can accomplish anything." I did mention to him that I put it in my chapter, so I did mention the chapter to him. I don't think he's read it because I did not share it. <laughs> I think there's a lesson coming out of this interview. Yes, yes, I, so many. Now, I'm in the middle of doing my yoga teacher training, and when I was prepping for our interview and, and questions that I wanted to talk to you about, I learned about heart coherence on the weekend and just strategies that men and women can take to stay away from personal and professional burnout and how sometimes our heart and our mind are not aligned. And it's often referred to as the longest path you'll travel. And with all the training that you've done and retreats that you talk about and just all the self-help that you've chosen, it was the moment that you say that you just decided to surrender and and just everything kind of came to pass. Would you say that your heart and your mind are now aligned? And how do you maintain that as a, as a daily practice? I would definitely say now my heart and my mind are aligned. And there are moments that I think I go out of it, but I don't stay out of it for too long. And I'm very aware when I'm out of it. What I do to maintain that, I would say one of the biggest things is meditation. And after, I've been meditating since my mid-20s, so I think even without me sitting down with my eyes closed, I'm, my life has become a meditation where I'm just so much more present. And in being present, that's how I maintain that, my heart and mind being connected. And one of the things is, is also just having fun. I have fun all the time all day long, no matter what I'm doing. And I laugh at everything. I could, it, it could be the worst scenario. Somebody else might look at it and say, this is a disaster. And I will always find humor in it. And I think that's what really helps me to move forward. There's always something good in every quote-unquote bad thing. And just being able to laugh at, uh, laugh at things, I mean, it's, it's funny how things could just go so wrong. <laughs> And um, just being able to do that, I think, realigns me and just helps to move me forward. It's my greatest tool, I think. And um, having a coach, I, I think a coach has to have a coach. And I have two coaches that I work with, and I have a lot of mentors. So for me, there's all, I always seek out help. I do not like feeling bad. I, I will do anything to feel better. So when there's something going on, I will pick up the phone. I have my coach. I have my mentors. Um, I go to yoga class. I read inspirational books. I mean, all of those things get me back in tune with, you know, what I know and who I really am. So 
exercise. There's so many things, but I think just I, I I'm always having fun. I'm always laughing, and it's all about attitude. How I look at things, it's shifting perspectives. Like I think with coaching, that is what I do more than anything else. I help someone to see. They could see something in three or four ways max. I can help them see it in 50 different ways and find humor in all of them. So that shifts for me very quickly because of the support system that I have around me. I love that. And I don't know if you know, but my coaching is all around work-life balance, so really that life coaching piece. And mm-hmm. and I love all of the self-care activities because that's, usually where women do not give back, they tell me they don't have time, that's only going to serve them for a certain period of time. And then you know what happens. There's always ailments of of health. So I am also a fellow person who meditates. I'm a big fitness proponent. And all of those feed into our greatness, which helps us be innovative and creative. And you have to just figure out what works for you. Some people like to get up early in the morning. Some people like to stay up late at night. There's no right or wrong. You have to find out what serves you. So I I love that. Now, Mm -hmm. you talk about eight steps that you went through for your power of surrender. And I would just like to go through them really quickly and just have you give the listeners a little, a little snapshot of your chapter. So you labeled step one as expect the unexpected. So for you, you had talked about coming home from Brazil and, and the loss of your mother, huge pain point for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think we could have any other unexpected tragedy like that. And I share that with you. I have lost both my parents and my oldest brother. It doesn't matter how much self-help or education you have. It's called emergencies and accidents for a reason, because there is no, there is nothing to prepare for. You can't. Mm -hmm. So how does one even get back up and heal from that? For me, I had to, you know what I did? I actually committed to doing, I picked activities that I had to do every single day and I was committed to doing it every single day. So I gave myself challenges. Like I started waking up at 5 a.m. to go to a boxing class. I've never boxed. I was scared. The first time I went, I passed out. But it got me up and moving because the first time I went, although I passed out in class at the end, I actually felt amazing to get it out on the bag. So beating that bag down, sparring with my teacher. And I saw that help me. So although I was not good at it, I said, all right, this is something that I think can help me feel better. And I was just relentless for that, to feel better. So I went after anything I thought could help me. Another thing I did, I did yoga for 365 days in a row. Um, I traveled wherever I was. It didn't matter where I was. If I was at an airport, I would get down into yoga. So I was committed to just seeing things through. And I knew that if I just put one foot in front of the other every single day, even if I was crying, no matter how I was feeling, to just keep moving forward, something would change. And that's exactly what happened. And the other thing was when, when I, had, I had no other choice, when I, I wrote it in the chapter was when I realized that 
wait a minute, I've known this woman for 30-something years. She's been in my life, my mother. How can I expect to feel better in six months or three months or even a year? Maybe it'll take me 30-something years. And when I realized that, that was like a complete change because after that, my prayer was just, I surrender. I'll get on my hands and knees doing yoga, and I would just keep on saying those words. And I was feeling really sorry for myself. I'm the youngest of seven. And I'm thinking, I have it worse than everybody else because I'm the baby, and I was closest to her, and my ego had all of these stories. And when I had the realization that I've known my mother since I was alive, my older sister, she was 650, I think 52 at the time, I started thinking, oh, my God, I could only imagine what my sister is going through and what my father is going through. They've been with my mother and been around her for so much longer, and my level of compassion just went up, and I stopped feeling sorry for myself and just doing whatever I could do to move forward. But that was the deciding moment, and I wrote about it where it just clicked, like, wait a minute, how can I expect this to just leave my body? And it's just putting one foot in front of the other and being, being kind to myself, giving myself a chance because I can't just expect it to leave me right away, death in that form. Well, and, and, and such a beautiful analogy. Um, grief has no time lineage. Yeah. And that was the first, like, my, I've never had death in my family. It was my mother. It's the first. So it's just, uh, it was the most traumatic thing. And I can say now I, I have, I am so much better. And I'm in gratitude that my mother is not here now because she was in a lot of pain. So whenever I see like the cold days like today, my mother used to really suffer in the cold. And I just, I'm like, oh, thank God mom's not here because she would have just been in so much pain. So I look at all of that now and, and I, I have her with me in, in a greater way, in an eternal way. And I, you know, she's here right now speaking through me <laughs> to you. I asked on her, her too. <laughs> on, on, the first, on the first radio interview. It's awesome. Yes, I, I asked her to speak through me today because this is for her. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, let me just let me just go through some of these other steps and some of the insightful writing that you did in this chapter. Step two is to surrender to help from where it comes, not from where you expect it to come from. I love that. So mm-hmm. powerful. Step three yeah. is to surrender to the physical, the mental, and the spiritual practices that support you. You know, getting out of bed, even if you're crying, that left foot going to go in front of the right foot and mm-hmm. letting go of perfection and just know that you're going to progress and the speed of the pace is irrelevant. Step four, sometimes to surrender, you have to be a fighter. You know, I love that psychological term grit. It just, mm-hmm. it's, it's you, it's me, it's for all of us who have gone through loss and trauma and just grief at such a depth that it's immeasurable, but the ability to get back up and say, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to make this a teaching moment and meet the other Tina's and the other Debs out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And you become that breath of fresh air because you're able to frame it just because you've done a few more steps down that road 
and helped yourself through that grief with all those beautiful strategies that you talked about. I love that. And this is my favorite, step five. Sometimes surrender means just shutting up. I want to talk to you about this for a minute. <laughs> I, I had an Irish nana, and she used to say to me, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, because you're to listen twice as long. And I find because we are so technology driven now, I'm seeing the beautiful art of communication being lost. Like you joked tonight when you heard my voice, because we'd been chatting on social media, but we had never heard each other's voices. Mm-hmm. And, and just to sit and listen to someone and be present in that moment to just listen. You don't need to respond. You don't need to process. Just be in that space. That is such a hard, hard thing for so many people to do. And I just wanted to know if it's something that you see within your clients. Is it a skill that you're still honing on a daily practice? I want you to chime in on that. So, for me, I I am a meditator. I meditate every day. And the older I get, I found is the more I listen, the less I need to say anything. And um, a lot of my clients, when I first get on the phone with them, especially a lot of the women, it's a complete chatterbox. And I think they speak so much, they don't actually listen to what they're saying. And... Um, that's, this is one of the things I always recommend to them I, as an exercise. I have one client, I said, for the next week, I want you to, to not speak unless you really need to and really just listen to what's going on around you. And she did, and she, had, she didn't need me as a coach anymore. I mean, I was like, you could coach me now after what she came back with sharing with me about what happened. So this is something that I, I'm, I can be – a really big chatterbox with my friends when we're hanging out. And then I am, I could be in silence for 10 weeks and it would not bother me at all. And si- at silent practice, I usually do two weeks out of a year. It's some, it's my favorite thing to do. It's a really like listen to my internal dialogue and to see what's really going on inside of me. I think you just have to go really deep into silence. So this, I think, of anything else, is the most important tool if there is one that I would recommend to anyone and everyone, is silence. I was pausing to be silent. I wanted to, I wanted to, (laughs) I wanted, I wasn't being funny there. I wanted to really embrace what you just said because it's probably the highlight of this whole interview. The power is in the silence. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to the beginning of this conversation when we were talking about listening to our gut and having that intuitiveness really heightened. It's synonymous. Yes, yes. And that's when all of the wisdom that has transformed my life in the most magical of ways, they didn't come when I was talking and yapping away. It came when I was silent. And it never steers me wrong. And it only comes through this. But when you think back to that woman who was talking, there's a lot to learn from that time in your life, too. It's, mm-hmm. it's just very yes. interesting to me to look back as a woman at each decade of our life we were and why we were the way we were. And now, yes. as, as we age, being able to go back with clarity 
and not point a finger to something, but really be mindful to the emotion of who we were as that girl and then that young woman to being a full mature adult. And I love going back and looking at that because I feel sometimes we are who we need to be at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I Powerful. always said, if, if I if I was to leave the planet right now, and I used to say this in my 20s also, I would have no regrets because I've lived such a full life. And as you said, all of those experiences have shaped who I am. And because I've had them, I'm able to help people at the level that I am able to now. So I wouldn't trade them for the world. I, I'm the same. I, you know, some of them, like you, were very painful but it shaped us to who we are right now on March 14th, 2018. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it brings so much teaching and wisdom. And it's, you know, there's no credentials in trauma or loss. Yeah. It's, it's who is that person. Now, I just want to give the last couple of steps here. So step six, relationships are to surrender. What fish hooks are to fish. I love that. And it's almost just, you know. <laughs> Managing all of those challenging experiences. It's everything we're talking about. It's beautiful. Step seven, when the student is ready to surrender, the teacher will appear. And I think you've eloquently stated that on this interview tonight. Once you surrendered, everything has fallen into place. And then your final step is to remain in thankfulness, which you do every day with your meditation, which leads to a gratitude Mm -hmm. practice which leads you to um, how does Robin Sharma frame it? Living world-class in all that you do, whether it's fitness, meditation, coaching, what you choose to eat. You have to have that whole work-life balance at a level that is sustainable and just at such a high level, I don't even want to give it a word because it doesn't have one. It's It's like we're superheroes. Mm-hmm. I loved, I read something about from him the other day. One of his tips said, be the fittest person you know. And that's my new goal. <laughs> he is incredible. Well, and, you know, I've been on my fitness journey for almost three years, and I'm going to be a certified yoga teacher in May. And I have learned more through my yoga practice in all of my fitness activities and it's my favorite one. Nice. And I, you're a yoga person, so I can say this to you. I love the power of intention, but when you couple that with yoga principles and you'll know this as a fellow yogi and you elevate that to your sankalpa, you're unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And my sankalpa today was gratitude that you and I finally connected and that this interview was going to be just amazing. And it has been. And I I could sit here and talk to you all night. And now that I know you're an hour plane ride away, we are definitely going to have to connect because it's just... Absolutely. Yeah, this has been such an honor and privilege for me. And I want to thank you for sharing your story. I want to thank you for rereading your chapter. I almost feel that our connection today was serendipitous. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have reread the chapter if I didn't have this interview today. So thank you to you for that. Well, it's my pleasure, and I want to wish you all the best, and I'm definitely going to connect with you sometime in the next week to chat further, and thank you for coming on the Changebook Radio Show. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. And we will talk soon. Take care, Tina. Take care. Bye. Just such a delight to interview Tina Sanchu from book number two in the Changebook series. And I love her chapter and I love all the elements around the word surrender. So, so powerful. Now I promised you at the beginning of the interview that I was going to share with you the audio uh, from the video from the initiative that the foundation for small voices started a week ago. And I would like to share that with you now. This is Deb Crow from the Changebook Radio Show. And after the audio, we'll see you back here next week on March the 21st, 2018. of others. To be more tolerant. To be a kind, considerate person. I will look within myself. With all I can I make a real change in the world.